Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us as you return to work in St. Louis this morning. And it's always good to talk to Wayne Larravee, the longtime voice of the Green Bay Packers, who was also the TV voice of the Bulls during the time that Michael Jordan was there and they were winning championships. And Wayne Larravee is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good to have you with us, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, Randy. How are you? Everything's well here in St. Louis. And uh, I, I want to first start with this. You had a chance to watch this entire docu-series. What did you think of the job that uh, Jason Hare and the, the entire staff did in putting this documentary together? You saw everything in real time as it happened in person. What did you think of the documentary as a whole? I thought it was really well done in many respects. Now, there was a heavy leaning to ESPN people because that was the vehicle by which they used to get this to the air. But aside from that, and, and a lot of those ESPN people were around for the finals, but not the rest of the season, the blood and guts of what happened to get to the finals. But beyond that, I thought it was great. I thought they did a tremendous job with it. They did capture, they were able to capture, I think, the feel of what was going on uh, as those championships were being fought for and won. Wayne, we saw a lot about Michael Jordan as an athlete, as a competitor, but we didn't see a lot of him really as a person. And I, I understand that those two things are intertwined, that he, he as a person is a competitor. But I wonder, for someone like you that was there day to day, it seems like he kind of had a wall up in a lot of ways. But did people really get to know Jordan as a person, the people that were around the facility day in and day out? You know, Michelle, that's a good question, and you're exactly right. I, somebody pointed out to me that uh, not once did you hear the, the name of his first wife, Juanita, mentioned uh, or seen in that uh, documentary, maybe at uh, the press conference where Michael retired the first time or something like that. You caught a glimpse, but um, they, they interwove uh, the Jordan kids into it. I thought it was a little awkward. That was one segment that was awkward, I thought, last night. Uh, whether we're talking about going to Utah for the finals or something like that. It was one of those things, like you sat there and said, okay, you know, what was this? Uh, no, Michael, like a lot of personalities, like a lot of figures um, that are bigger than life, uh, they do compartmentalize things. They have to in order to be successful at what they're doing. And uh, his private life was his private life. We all respected that, and uh, we didn't delve into that a whole lot. I thought it was interesting as well, and this happens with a, a lot of high-level athletes. It happened with a guy like Mark McGuire here in St. Louis, Wayne, and uh, sometimes it's not the the people that are teammates or the broadcasters. Sometimes it is the security guys and the trainers and the, that staff that are around those guys on a regular basis that really become the, the guys that the superstars lean on. You know, it's interesting, Randy, and, and this was pointed out last night, especially with Gus Lett. Uh, the late Gus Lett, who was uh, such a bombastic personality for those of us in the media, he used to line us up getting ready to go into the locker room at the old Chicago Stadium. He was great. 
Um, and all those security guys uh, were just wonderful people. They were ex-Chicago cops. You knew they were tough as nails. If anything happened, they could handle it. Um, and you, you're right. And, and Michael pointed that out. They actually became family to him. Um, and long after uh, the last dance, they were still with him. So um, that's kind of, you know, that Michael took care of the people who took care of him. And uh, that's one of the best, uh, uh, I think, virtues that, that Michael Jordan has to this day. When one of my takeaways after every single episode was how unbelievable a coach and just a, a people person that Phil Jackson was and is, the way that he was able to manage all of those players' personalities, their egos, and be able to push them in different ways and give each player certain allowances knowing that it's what they needed, I thought was incredibly remarkable. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and it goes to show you that the great coaches – and this goes all the way back to Lombardi, they know what buttons to push, and it is not the same for everyone. Um, there is not a one-way, my way or the highway uh, thing. The, the guys who are one, my way or the highway are the guys who are losing. They're the guys who lose. Um, you know, even if a coach says it's my way or the highway, you can, I can guarantee you if he's successful, he's massaging people along the way. He knows who, who he can push, who he can't touch, who he can, uh, you know, uh, kick in the butt one day. And, and who he has to coddle uh, as they go along. And Phil Jackson is a master at that. I think the greatest um, – I, I feel bad for Phil in some ways. I believe of, of the 11 championships that he won, I think in his entire career, I think he's only been coach of the year once, and I think that might have been for that bowl season where Michael was missing and they went, went on to win 55 games. Yeah, I think he was coach of the year that season, and that's it. Everybody says, well, you had Michael Jordan, and he had Kobe and Shaq. How could he not win? Well, you know what? People had those guys before, before uh, and didn't win. Uh, the genius of Phil Jackson is exactly what you pointed out, Michelle. He um, knew how to massage and manage egos and agendas. And believe me, there was a lot going on in the last dance that we didn't get to see in that documentary. But I, I know for a fact there were a lot of things happening off the floor um, that were just as intriguing as what was going on on the floor. Wayne Larravee is the sensational voice of the Green Bay Packers. He was the TV voice of the Bulls during the Jordan years, during those championship years. I thought it was interesting at the end last night, the way that it was produced, that Michael expressed his frustration about not getting a chance at the seventh, and that's because we wouldn't have had the documentary last night if they would have brought everybody back for a <laughs> shot at a seventh. But what did you think as you watched that season unfold, that last dance season? Was there enough gas? left in the tank, Wayne, for that group to come back and win a seventh title? Well, you have to understand the following season there was a strike. I don't think the season began until, what, uh, late December or December, January, somewhere around there. Uh, They missed about a third of that season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the 98-99 season. So that certainly would have helped that team because those players, you know, Jordan was like 35, Rodman was 30. I don't know, 30-something, and, and uh, you know, Pippen was 31 and coming off an injury-riddled season. He was going to be 32. Harper was in his 30s. All those guys, um, you know, they probably, and Steve Kerr said this early on in the documentary, that they went about as far as they could go. Uh, now, um, it is tradition that a champion fall on his sword, but isn't it intriguing and isn't it somewhat mystical Uh, when the champion doesn't get a chance to, when the champion goes out as a champion. And that team did. There there is a certain beauty of that, I think, that years later you ask, and Michael did did it last night, you know, you ask, we should have, what what if we did it again? What if we put everybody together for one more year? 
Uh, could we have done it? We, we deserved the chance to do that. That's true. But uh, there is something, I think, uh, romantic about the fact that they never did come back, that they, they retired, they left as champions, and no one ever beat them. And, Wayne, a lot of people wanted to vilify Jerry Krause for that. To me, one of the things missing in the documentary, and obviously Jerry isn't here to to tell his side of the story, but I would have loved to hear his perspective on how he built these teams and the disintegration and the breakdown of the dynasty. But as somebody that was there, did Jerry Krause deserve to be vilified? Did he deserve the blame for the quote-unquote breakdown of this Bulls dynasty? Well, every good story has a villain and a hero, right? <laughs> so, and Chicago sports are filled with figures like that. It's the greatest sports town in America. There's no question about it. That's not even a debatable fact. It is absolutely the greatest sports town in America. And, you know, um, that Jerry Krause played the role of villain, uh, mostly because of the way uh, he did not have great people skills. You mentioned Phil Jackson had great people skills. He did. Jerry Krause did not. And Jerry Krause didn't care about people skills. Uh, he was all about, he was a scout at heart, and he was all about putting together the best team he could around Michael Jordan. He did a brilliant job with that. Um, but, you know, he had, he and Jerry Reinsdorf had a mentality. Uh, they were baseball people. They were Brooklyn Dodgers kind of people. Uh, they, they wanted to move on because they, they believed, as Branch Rickey did, that you trade or you get out from under the great player a year or two before that player starts to decline. And it's the same thing with this team. They felt this team was on the way down. It had played its best basketball, but them to invest major dollars in this team, even for another year, this was their feeling now, uh, even for another year, um, that would be, you know, that would be foolish money because, again, uh, they're going to pay these guys more than they've ever paid uh, before, and they're not going to get the kind of performance um, uh, that they had just seen. So that was kind of the mentality behind it. Um, now, in the end, Jerry Reinsdorf said, hey, Phil, if you want to come back, you've earned the right, that type of thing. But there was still the feeling that they weren't going to sign Scottie Pippen and that they were going to break up the team around Jordan and try to build another. Hey, Wayne, before we let you go, uh, broadcasting is a craft. And in the midst of a game, when you're doing play-by-play, you don't really get a chance to experience an awful lot of joy as a fan because you're, you're always working towards the next next thing. And especially on TV, there's somebody in your ear. So my question about your personal situation with this, were you able to enjoy it and experience the joy because you were working? And were you able to savor what you were doing at the time? Yes, absolutely. Um, and we knew it was a, it would be a short period of time. We knew that. Uh, and we did it. And we did savor that. We would often before the games, you know, just be sitting there watching the Bulls warm up and say, boy, don't take Michael Jordan for granted. You'll never see another like him. And so we, we tried to. But you know what? In the end, when it ends, it's always ended too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that kind of parallels life. Sports parallels life. And that when someone dies, if they're, even if they're 97 years old, you know, a piece of you says, gosh, that that was too soon. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I think that, uh, that that's a big part. We were able to do that. And I think as a local broadcaster, okay, we were broadcasting games uh, to Bulls fans. I think you can enjoy that joy a little bit more. Maybe some of the national guys, a Marv Albert, a Bob Costas, they have to stay a little more removed from it. But, no, I, we enjoyed it. We had a great time. But then Johnny Kerr enjoyed it more than anyone. I can guarantee you that. More than any fan, more than any player, 
Johnny Redker uh, enjoyed that dynasty more than anyone. We're glad to know that and glad to have you on the show, Wayne. Thanks so much for the time this morning. We do appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You too. We'll talk to you soon when the Packers get rolling. That is Wayne Larrabee. He is the radio voice of the Packers, and he is he's the best radio play-by-play guy for any team in the NFL. He's spectacular.